you have your Bibles with me tonight, turn your attention, if you will, more than a sermon or even, I don't even know if you'd call this a message tonight. I just want to talk to you something out of my heart. Amen. Where I feel we are and what I feel like God is talking to me about personally, I believe it applies to you corporately. Mark chapter 9, Mark the ninth chapter, verse number 28 and 29. And it reads like this, when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, this kind, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind. Everybody say this kind. That's what we've been talking about to one another for a long time. But I'm here to inform you tonight that the only way it will come forth, it will not simply come forth because we say it. It's going to come forth because we pray it. Amen. And we're willing to push ourselves away from the plate and sacrifice the meal to draw closer to Him. James chapter 5, another very familiar passage of Scripture. Verse number 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another, that you may be healed. Or, and pray for one another that you may be healed. I don't want to preach on that tonight, but I do believe that a great deal of healing is missed in our life because, number one, we are unwilling to be honest with one another. Confessing your faults doesn't mean going to everybody and blabbing all of your shortcomings. It simply means acknowledging your humanity and your weakness and that you need them. You need each other. And then praying for one another. There's something powerful happens when a church prays for one another. And there's a healing that takes place. The last part of that verse says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman, a righteous person, availeth much. I want you to make sure you understand that word righteous. It does not mean perfect. It does not mean without flaw or blemish. But it is a man or a woman who is pursuing God the best that they know how and trying to walk with Him in the best way they can. Sometimes we are intimidated by Scripture because that word it seems so high, much higher than where I am a lot of times. But I believe the Lord understands that we deal with humanity. 
And he dealt with human flesh. And so there is room there for you to not be perfect, but you should be trying. So don't ever use it as an excuse not to try, but don't be intimidated by it either. But the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a man or a woman who is really seeking God, availeth much. Everybody said amen. My last reading is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm just going to read one verse because it really speaks what I feel uh, needs to happen in us. Verse number 9, and it says, So Hannah rose up. Amen. Everybody say she rose up. And what she did in the next little while made for a unbelievable, miraculous work of God. Everybody say this kind. That's what we're after is this kind. Not just any kind, but this kind. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know anybody in this building that would not like to see the miraculous take place in their life and in their family and in our church. And I will have to tell you tonight, we've had a lot of miracles happen over the last few weeks and months. Many of them unreported. Some of them you've read about on Facebook, but jobs and and uh, things that God has worked out over a period of time that people have prayed for and held on to, and it comes to pass, and we rejoice. But I think all of us desire miracles, things that we cannot uh, in our own human flesh ever accomplish. It's something that is divine. How often we pray for miracles, but we do not uh, we do not go beyond a certain uh, level of prayer. Is there anything that we would need more than the miraculous right now? I don't know of much. There may be a few things, but there are so many areas that we need a sovereign move of God. I wonder tonight if there's anybody here in this building that would like a miraculous work in your family or in your home or on your job or in a relationship. Anybody hungry for a miracle of some kind? Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Praise God. I love what James wrote in the fifth chapter. If you continue to read after the 16th verse, he goes on to tell us, remind us about a man by the name of Elijah. And he prayed and, and there was no rain. And then he prayed again. And I've, I've read this passage many, many times before, but it didn't dawn on me the, the extent of what his second prayer accomplished. The Bible says that not only did rain return, but the earth brought forth her fruit. 
It's one thing when God just blesses. It's another thing when he abundantly blesses. And I want that. I am hungry for that. I have thought much over the last couple of weeks uh, about Hannah. I think I preached from part of this passage a few weeks ago. I don't remember the exact date. But Brother Hopkins said something Sunday night. He was here with us for anniversary that just triggered something in my spirit. And I wrote down a couple of things. And they have been uh, gnawing away at my mind and my spirit for the last few weeks. I think of Hannah and her long period of infertility and the frustration that no doubt had to be a part of her life because of that barrenness. The antagonism that was in the home and the frustration, the barrenness was a source of great discomfort. Her life was in many ways a very miserable life. And one day, evidently, she decided that enough was enough. And she kind of prayer that she prayed. And it was not just any kind of prayer that she prayed. It was warfare praying. It was business with God. If you had observed her that day, you might have drawn the same conclusion that Eli did, that this woman is crazy. This lady has lost her mind, or she's drunk. She is is not able to contain herself. But she was not drunk, nor was she crazy. She was just determined. She somehow made up in her mind that I'm not leaving here until I get an answer from God. God honored her and he blessed her with a son by the name of Samuel that went on to bless Israel in his leadership. But what came to me and what the Lord spoke to me was that that miracle did not come without a price. That miracle that she wanted and desired did not come without a certain cost. Any great move of God that has ever been recorded has always involved a price. And most often a price of great prayer and intense prayer. Not Just any kind of prayer, but the kind of prayer that moves mountains and that uh, becomes so intense that words become inadequate to describe the feelings. We do understand that there are different levels of prayer, but there is a level of prayer that we can reach that will open doors to us that nothing else can. James speaks of prayer and what it can be, and he says that the effectual, fervent prayer availeth much. One translation says powerful and effective is this kind of prayer. Another translator said very powerful In its effect. Another one said that it can accomplish much. 
Another one translated that to mean is something powerful to be reckoned with. Revival of the kind that we talk about and the kind that we prayed that would come to pass involves intense prayer. Not just, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It is not just the casual prayer that slips our lips sometimes as we're driving down the road and we say, Oh God, I need you today. There's nothing wrong with that, but revival requires a a different level of praying than that. The Bible said of Elijah that he prayed. He prayed earnestly. And it did not rain for three and a half years. And then James says, and he prayed again. When I read that, I thought, you know, if you were not really careful, you would think that to stop the rain took greater prayer than to cause it to come again. But that is not the case. In the original text, he prayed, praying. He prayed Praying. He prayed praying. It was not just a normal prayer meeting that Elijah was involved in, but it was a praying that took him into a deeper level and channel of praying. And when you read that he prayed again, you need to understand that he he didn't just casually come before the Lord. The Bible describes him as going up into a high mountain and putting his head between his knees. And intensity came out of him as he prayed. And he sent his servant to go look and see what has, what, what's on the horizon. And for a long time there was nothing but he kept praying, intensely praying. He prayed Praying, He put his head down and he didn't look up until there was an answer. When people pray like that, God doesn't ignore that kind of prayer. And church, I just want to come tonight to encourage you. Next week we have designated as a week of prayer. But I am not asking you to just go through the ritual and the motion of coming and doing some obligatory prayer. I am asking you to allow the Spirit of God that has been moving in this church to so seize your heart that it will take you to a different level of praying, that there will come a burden and an intensity to your prayer, that even words become insufficient to communicate to God what you are hungry for and what you are desirous of. It was a byproduct of intense prayer, that miracle of Samuel. And so any miracle is. It took a certain level of prayer to produce a Samuel. And it's going to take a certain level of prayer to produce the revival that we talk about. Just talking about it is not going to bring it to pass. Although I am a powerful believer in the words of our mouth and what we speak 
how much they hold weight in God's economy, but there's got to be something in our spirit that becomes so intense and so hungry for a visitation of God that we are not content with five minutes or ten minutes, but there's something that draws us deeper and deeper into the presence of God until we lose consciousness of time. We lose consciousness of those who are around us, even as it was with Hannah. She prayed, and there was such intensity of prayer that she didn't even realize that Eli was observing her, and he had some thoughts about her, and then he finally even stopped her. It's something wonderful when you can get so lost in prayer that you don't even hear the other people around you. You're not even conscious that anybody else is in the building. It's just you and a burden and a hunger to somehow let that burden out of your spirit and somehow reach the throne of God and and make Him know this is something that I have got to have. Amen. It was intense prayer. It was passionate. It was penetrating. It was intentional. It was forceful. It was strong. Not a thoughtless rambling, but someone who had zeroed in on a need and a desire. And she went for it with every ounce that was in her being. Her lips moved, but words did not come. I pray that a burden will so grip the heart of this church that that kind of experience will be had in this place in the next few days as we gather for prayer. That when we come to pray, we may begin in the same routine way we always begin our prayer. But somewhere along the way, something happens. Our eyes are open to the possibility of what God could really do in this place and through us. And suddenly our words take on a new intensity and a deeper meaning. And something begins to roll out from the depth of our soul. Just groanings at times because words are insufficient. Amen. A desire that was so concentrated that it could not be held to the normal level of prayer. And it drew her into the deep places of God. It became a very spiritual thing with her. Groanings that could not be uttered. What we need this year is that kind of prayer. What we need at greater life is that level of prayer that takes us deeper and deeper and deeper. And when we pray this week, I want us to pray with that kind of focus. God, help us to shut out all of the distractions and all of the stuff that goes on in life. And let us get our minds and our hearts and our thoughts Focused on one thing. We need some miracles in this place. We need you to do some miracles in our home. We need you to do some miracles on our job. We need you to do some miracles in the lives of our family. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There was a certain commitment to Hannah's prayer, just as there was to Elijah's prayer. He prayed and prayed. He prayed and kept praying. I'm afraid many times we stop just short of a breakthrough because it doesn't happen in our time frame. That's one reason why I've never tried to put a time limit on prayer meetings because sometimes you can get a lot done in five minutes and if that's the case, then rejoice and go on your way. But I have found it to be the case that sometimes what I need and what I want and what God wants to do is going to take more out of me than just a five or ten minute prayer. And I've got to forget about what time it is, and I've got to forget about what people might think and be so committed to prayer that I will not get up until I feel there is an answer on the way. Amen. She did not go to prayer, I noticed, though, until her husband asked her why she wept. I looked at that today again, and I thought, could it be? That the reason Hannah had gone so many years childless is because she blamed her problem on her husband or her surroundings or her situation. Maybe she blamed it on circumstances and she let her feelings get in the way, feeling sorry for herself, but she didn't pray But something happened when Elkanah finally approached her and said, Hannah, why are you so sad and why are you so despondent and why do you weep? Am I not better to you? She realized that this isn't about me being done wrong. This isn't about God not being fair to me. This isn't about my husband failing me. This is about God trying to take me to a new place in him. This is about God trying to get me to a different level of relationship with him. And the Bible said when that evidently that realization awakened in her, the scripture says, and she rose up. You know what I'm praying for around here? I'm praying that there's some people that will rise up in the next few days and realize that the answer to prayer is not hanging on what somebody else does or doesn't do. But the answer to my prayer is hanging on what I'm willing to do. And if I quit blaming my brother or my sister or my husband or my wife and just realize that I have a responsibility with God. And I begin to seek Him with all of my heart. God will answer my prayer. Amen. One day she decided that it's time for me to do something. So Say that with me. It's time for me to do something. Maybe she just all those years relied on Elkina's prayer. And she hoped that his prayer would get through. But something finally broke in her. And she realized that if I'm going to get what I need and what I want, I'm going to have to rise up and do something myself. Amen. And when people get in that kind of frame of mind, you cannot stop what God will put in motion 
and what God will bring to pass. Amen. I'm praying for that. She rose up. She prayed and she continued to pray. She prayed and she continued to pray. And that prayer of intense desire and hunger, so burdened, so hungry for what God could do in her life. She lost track of time. She lost track of where she was. She lost track of what people might think about her. And and all she knew was that she had found her way into the presence of God. And she wasn't going to quit until she felt there was a release and an answer. Effective prayer is not prayer with a lot of words, but with heart. Amen. I know that as a child, I've seen children pray that touched God in ways that adults have a hard time touching him. Because they're not consumed with making sure their words are exact or that God's words are framed properly. All they need to know and all they want God to know is that they need him. I wonder what would happen around here if we would forget about people hearing us pray. And we would just pray like it was just me and God. Amen. I think I've told you, I know I have. In a revival several years ago in Marshall, Texas, there was a group of motorcycle gang members that came, and they were pretty rough folks. They come rambling in, rolling in with their Harley Davidsons and parked, and that church was so shocked they didn't know what was going on. I remember one Sunday night we had been in prayer, and the church had really gotten into the vein I'm talking about right now. And people were back in the prayer room, the most part were, but there were a few that had come in and just sat down on the pews and they were waiting for church to start. And I'm telling you, I was in the prayer room, the pastor was in the prayer room, it was so intense in there. There was such a fervency and the level of prayer was so powerfully vibrant. That the pastor, I don't know, consciously, unconsciously, spirit-led or what, he walked over and he just opened the door of the prayer room so that the sound could get out into the auditorium. And I was in a position where I could see what happened next. And as those prayers started flowing out of that prayer room, every person, including the motorcycle gang, begin to get down on their knees and bow their head. That's what happens when people get in touch with God in the way I'm talking about getting in touch with God. It has such a powerful influence and effect that people can't sit, they can't do what they normally do. And it was in that revival that God filled a number of those people with the Holy Ghost. And we baptized them in Jesus' name. And I'll never forget the first service. One of them came back. He was up front. He had his hands up. And he was just shouting at the top of his voice, Praise Jesus! Praise Jesus! And all of those sophisticated Pentecostal folks that had been around church all their life and knew how to say, 
Oh, precious, heavenly, holy Father, glorious, majestic, wonderful Savior. They looked around at him like, like he had lost his mind, but he didn't know anybody even was there other than him and God. And he just wanted God to know, I'm thankful for what you've done. And I watched God do some things in those people's lives that nothing else, AA couldn't do it. No other kind of program could do it, but in that revival, God transformed some men and women because somebody decided it was time to rise up and pray. Amen. 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 What we need and what we must have is that kind of prayer, prayer that prevails, prayer that will not let go until the blessing comes. Effective prayer is not eloquence. It's just effectiveness. It's just getting your heart into what you're praying. Amen. Not your head, but your heart. Because the head can get you in a lot of trouble. It can make you think you know how to pray. And because you know how to pray, God ought to bless you more than he blesses anybody else. You don't believe that? Go read the New Testament. The righteous man, that came, Pharisee that came to pray say, he came to the, and what did the man, what, what did the Pharisee that came to pray say? He, look at me, Lord, I've come. You ought to be happy. You ought to feel blessed that I'm here today, God. I don't sin. I don't curse. I don't chew. I don't run with those that do. And over in the corner was this sinner man. He felt so unworthy to be there. He's just beating on his chest with his head down. Oh God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I don't, I don't deserve to be here. And Jesus said, you know who went home just? You know who went home blessed? It wasn't the man that did all of it through his head. It was the man that did it through his heart. The kind of prayer that I feel like needs to take hold of greater life has got to move from our head into our heart. Not that the head isn't important, but there's something that happens when it comes out of the heart. There's something that happens when that level in intensity and hunger and desire becomes apparent in my prayer. It's not how loud you pray. It's not that you scream. That's not even what I'm trying to get at. You can be quiet. The Bible said that when Hannah prayed her intense prayer, she didn't even make a sound. Her lips moved, but no words came. But there was something of the heart that was reaching out and saying, God, if anybody can change this situation, you're the one that can change it. If anybody can help me, if anybody can help my family, you're the one that can help my family. If anyone can make a difference on my job, you're the one that can, you can move that person. You can change that situation. You can change that job description. You can put me in the right place, in the right hand. You can bring me into the right location. Hallelujah. Effective prayer. That's what I want. Prayer that reaches down to the level of the heart. Amen. There is the level of prayer that has no limits. At least that's what James indicates. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It indicates that there's no limit that the power of prayer cannot reach. The Jews had a saying that he who prays 
surrounds his house with a wall stronger than iron. He who prays. They said penitence can do something, but prayer can do everything. Amen. Prayer can do everything. To them, prayer was nothing less than contacting the power of God through the medium of their heart. It was the channel through which the strength and grace of God was brought to bear on the troubles and the problems of their life. Amen. Wouldn't you like that to happen? Do you want to channel His power into some things in your life, in your family, your job? your home, some problems, some hurts, amen, some needs. Wouldn't you like to channel his power into those areas that need a breakthrough, amen, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman does that, amen. It channels his power into that avenue in that area. Every time our church has ever come, happened. When I'm a prayer like I'm talking about, something profound has happened. One of the most profound things that ever happened was when we had come off of a three-day prayer and fast chain. We We were just a small group of people in a storefront building in League City. And we had joined together with about 300 other churches. The purpose of our prayer was not to pray for ourselves, but it was to pray for those other 300 churches. And so we had a list and we gave it out to the church. We didn't have enough people to cover all 300 churches, so we had to pray for a lot of them, each of us. But I remember those three days of prayer and fasting. And when we came off of that third day, This property had a brand new sign on it for sale. It had been up for a long time and no one had been able to purchase it because the price was too high and there were so many other problems associated with it. We didn't know about the problems. We just knew that there was a need. Amen. And so we prayed. That's another lesson. You need to be careful when you pray because God will give you your prayer, and then he'll give you some problems to figure out that you still need him to get through the whole process. Amen. Amen. My wife's, I I just have to hand it to my wife. She can be a whole lot more spiritual than me sometimes, most of the time probably. But anyway, we were on our way to church that night, drove by this property, and she said, look, there's a sign. You need to call them. And my, my first response was, I've already called. And it's too high, we can't afford it. She said, but it's a new sign. You need to call anyway. And that was one time I listened to my wife. (laughs) One of the times I've listened to my wife. And I've been glad I did ever since. Amen. I, I called Randy Barr, who was a realtor. I called him the next morning. He said, you know, it's strange, Mr. Hughes, that you would call me. He said, I was just asked to list this property, and I told them that the only way I would list it is if they would become realistic and reduce the price so that it would be more reasonable to sell. I said, oh, really? Yes. I said, well, what do they want? He said, I think he said 300000 I said, oh, 
That's still out of my range. I said, will they entertain an offer? He said, do it. Just tell me what you can offer. I said, offer them $100,000. Amen. You get really bold when you prayed for three days and you hadn't eaten for three days. <laughs> that was still a lot of money, but for five acres, almost five acres on this piece of, of real estate, right now it's selling for 7 to $10 a square foot. That's a pretty good deal. That was about 75 cents a square foot. So we made the offer. He called me back the next morning. He said, no, they made a counter offer. They'll take 200000 I said, no, that's, we still can't do that. He said, well, let me call them. They, I think he called them back, and they were willing to come down to 150 I said, I tell you what, tell them if they'll meet me halfway, we'll give them 125 And a little while later, I don't remember how, but it wasn't long, he gave me a call. He said, Mr. Hughes, you now own a piece of property on 528. Amen. That's where we are. That's how we got here. It's more than God has blessed us through the years in many ways, but I really do. This is more than talk, church. I really believe our church is poised at a place that we've never been before, and we have an opportunity. We can sit around and blame the city, and we can blame the, the, the development and all the other things that would be easy to cast a stone at is why we had all of our problems. Or we could just say, you know what, God, I, I realize that that may have a part, but that what really needs to happen is I need to get deeper engaged with you. Amen. And when we do, I believe something incredible is going to happen. It already is happening, but I believe it, there are going to be things that's going to blow our mind that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm excited and terrified all at the same time. Amen. Because I know that what we're saying is going to take God. But you know what? I believe God wants to be involved in that. I, I believe he wants to be a part of that. I believe he's more interested in it than we are. And all that he's trying to get me to do is just encourage some of you to get your heart engaged for the next little while in a way that you haven't in a long time and let it take you into an intensity of prayer and a fervency in your prayer that will bring a breakthrough and will produce a Samuel kind of miracle. A miracle that will bless for years to come. Samuel was the judge of Israel for, I think, 18 to 25 years after that period of time. And he led Israel in, in, into a better place with God. Wouldn't it be incredible for something to happen in the next few months around here that would set the stage for the next 25 years for this church? To put us in a position where we wouldn't have to wonder how we're going to do it, but God provide the means and work the miracle to bring it to pass. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. I, 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 that's my heart tonight. I, I just have been praying myself. I came in here and laid on the carpet today for a while, and all I could do was just tears flow out of my heart because of the hunger that I feel in my own spirit for more of Him. Amen. More of Him. 
I've let a lot of things be an excuse for why I haven't prayed. Amen. I'm just like you. My flesh gets in the way too. But there's something stirring, church. Even when I have men come, the, the gentlemen that were here with us for our anniversary, all of them spoke to me privately and said they felt something in the spirit. Brother Stanton said he was awakened Sunday morning early and God gave him a word to give to our church. That, that doesn't, I don't take that lightly. And I'm not a person that believes in all of the hocus pocus that sometimes goes on under the guise of spirituality. But I do believe that God's trying to say something to us and He's going, He's doing something in our midst that we, I think we're, we realize it, but they're just a sovereign work of God that is taking place. And when that's happening, why don't you make sure that your family is blessed by it? Amen. Why don't you make sure that your home is blessed by it? That your family is touched by it? Hallelujah. Close your eyes for just a few moments. I want the Spirit of God just to sink into your spirit right now. That you feel what I'm sensing in the Holy Ghost. Something God wants to bring to pass. A miracle, a Samuel kind of miracle. But it doesn't happen without intense prayer. It didn't happen without Hannah going to another level of prayer. The Bible said she had come year by year with her husband Elkina. I'm sure she had prayed, but there came a day when she moved to a different level of prayer, and it was in that intense pouring out of herself before the Lord that God opened the womb and blessed her, blessed her life and blessed the life of Israel for years to come. I wonder what God's trying to birth in us. I wonder what it is that he's trying to bring to pass if we'll just step to that next level, if we'll just be willing to throw it all in, give it all to him, amen, holding nothing back, withholding nothing, amen, 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 oh God. What is it in your family that you need Him to work in right now? What is it in your home that you need Him to work in? What is it in your own spirit that you need Him to work out? I believe God's in a place right now to want to do that. I believe He is in a place right now that He's ready to do some things in us that we might not have been prepared for in times before and we were not ready to receive it. But I believe because of the storms we've had to go through and the things we've had to endure, 
I believe there has come a character to this church that God said, I can do some things in your midst now that I might not have been able to do before this came on you. But I've watched the way you've responded. I've watched the way you poured your soul out. I've watched the way you've remained faithful in the midst of your adversity. And now I want you to watch what I can do because of what you have done. I want you to see what I am capable of bringing to pass because you have poured yourself out to me. You are a rabbi.